Episode 18 of the Exit Strategy, we welcome Hans Blackenberg, Chief Representative of the NBSO, a Dutch agency that helps Dutch companies expand into the American region. What steps a company should take before considering an expansion into the Americas? And we learn how the agency helps companies once they decide to take the leap across the pond. Now let's hear the count. You're listening to The Exit Strategy, a podcast that inspires open discussions about financial news and technology today. My name, Marcus McGarrian, a recovering SaaS vendor, joined by my co-hosts, Ralph DeFiore and Swadek Mazundar, and we're sitting down with startup founders, technology experts. Now let's begin. You know, but Hans, you, you've worked in this, from the space agencies, uh, doing European Space Agency, doing research, uh, working in tech sector, you've worked in a private equity firm or a VC and you've uh, worked in mergers and acquisitions. And what I love about your uh, current career path is that you're helping the expansion of Dutch companies into the American region. So from North to South America, you're mostly focusing on Brazil, um, but it's not an easy thing to expand to another country. The rules are different, the laws are structured different, um, you know, but you know, we have we have comp- we have companies that are customers in the Netherlands, and I could see the difficulties um, that they see the experience there. But I mean, give give us a background. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I I started my career actually in university. I started my first uh, company. It was a service company in IT, and um, I more or less. Uh, always where I was very aware I was a very much a techie guy you know programming and all that kind of stuff so I I knew a lot about that but uh, what I was missing is like uh, the ability to also uh, you know the sales side the marketing side so I I I started my first company I saw okay man you're missing some kind of uh, basic knowledge about these areas so I decided also to uh, to focus a little bit more on developing those skills. So that's why I went into my corporate career. I worked for Axonobel, a European Space Agency first, then Axonobel, then KLM. And I always looked at the, the challenge. I look at a company like, um, what does it give to me? You know, and uh, if the project is interesting, I'm uh, 200% in. I give more than the average. And that's the whole thing, you know, it needs to, to challenge you. So for me, this, this is a, a, the line in my life. If I see that something is uh, leveling off, I say, yeah, doing the same, you know, that's wasting a lifetime. So uh, I'm always there uh, looking at new companies. So I, uh, new, new enterprises, new ventures, new ways to work and increase my knowledge. So I, in about 20 years ago, I, I decided with my wife, she, she's from Brazil, but had a corporate career as an executive also in Europe. And the main thing is that I we 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 moved. It was like half a year after uh, uh, 9/11, and some of our friends were also, you know, affected by this. And you start to think a little bit more about what what is the real uh, the focus of your life. You know, you want to do something not only about creating value for yourself and others, but also something significant. And so we had some kind of uh, you know uh, epiphany. And we decided to go in uh, July 20, 2002 to uh, Brazil and started our own company. We had a, a, a rather successful uh, fashion brand. 
we grew it until 140 people exported and stuff. And this was actually the beginning of several other companies that I also uh, founded. And what I think is the most interesting thing is that although this is not a normal progression, eh? when, once, you, once you are an entrepreneur and you start to work for the government, it's a re you're really a, a weird person. What, what I, I, I really like in this is, first of all, you know, I work because I like it. Of course, I need to earn some money also. But but the main thing is that I, I really feel uh, from the entrepreneur side. So what my uh, office does, yeah, the Netherlands Business Support Offices, we have 22 in the world. And typically we are in cities where where we have no uh, consulate or embassy. And But they are significant cities business-wise. So we typically... Uh, uh, accelerate I, I know i call it catalyze we catalyze business but you can only do that when you know how an entrepreneur thinks and once you know how an entrepreneur thinks you really need to not only think here is the market and here are the connections you need to think on financing because a lot of the times i i feel this these government agencies are you know i'm talking here about a company that every project is 50 million euros so it's not just saying here is the market here, you know, you need to show them, okay, these are the way we can finance that. So I'm looking always at the triangle between uh, uh, development banks in Holland, development banks in Brazil, for example, because I'm based in Brazil, and then the uh, VC private equity uh, part. So this triangle, this pyramid is something that I find essential. And often it's forgotten because people think, you know, you know, the, the finance part is not with the government. Of course it is. We incentivize, you know, we, we, we need to catalyze this kind of business. So for me, this was the biggest thing. And I'm very happy to work in this company. So you're, you're the first person on the exit strategy who has intergalactic experience, because usually we work with international cross-border things. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, you're you're 100 percent correct. But we, we we have our own assumptions of what it takes to expand a company or I, I, we always feel maybe we're biased because we work in the investment banking space that acquiring a company in the market you're trying to go into is probably the fastest way from zero to a hundred because you're buying, um, you know, the employees, the existing uh, assets, the existing customer contracts, and it makes a huge difference because you don't take that full plunge risk because you're technically a startup again when you go to that market. So what is it that you tell us, walk us through the support or what are the steps or things, the boxes you're checking off in order to have a company expand from the Netherlands to, uh, to Brazil, because the same rules should apply to France, to New York or exactly. India, to Paris. Yeah. I used to work uh, with companies from the States, Europe, Australia, so now, of course, my focus is more Dutch companies, but in principle, it's, it's equally uh, val uh, valid for other companies. The, the main thing is that uh, I really don't believe that most of the most of the time, green fields are not the way to go. Uh, acquisitions are good, but uh, with acquisitions comes also uh, exposure to risk uh, because uh, it's it's. Uh, Buying a company, yeah, I was much involved in due diligence also with takeovers here in Brazil. And I had to give a very much negative advisors because uh, we have something in Brazil called Custa Brasil, which is the cost of Brazil. And it's like the hidden part. So we can quantify a lot. And then you have still some re a leftover risk. 
and this less of risk can can jeopardize totally your 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 business case so it is extremely important to have a very rigorous de- uh, due diligence and once you have had that due diligence then at least you you're you're a little bit less uh, uh, you know exposed you know but ma- mainly i go for people to to the first enter uh, the first qualification to say is brazil the way to go is for me always to say okay uh, do do you as a company have any experience going outside of holland europe uh, because uh, then then it's also about cultural sensitivity uh, you you need to understand how business works here i'm 20 years living here and the culture in latin culture is about the relationship so I really go always first on the relationship before I even start to talk about our business case, which is, of course, seems ineffective in European and US terms. But it is, if you don't go through that hoop, you don't go through towards the business in general. At least that's my uh, my vision. So, you know, there 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 is particularities in this this specific market that you need to take care of. I mean, half the people on this podcast work with uh, one of the BRICs. So Swadek, mm-hmm. for example, he's always flying back and forth from India. And, uh-huh. you know, so, I mean, Swadek, you, you you work with a lot of these companies. I mean, how would how would an organization like Hans's be impactful if it was something about, uh, you know, Indian companies expanding to the United States, like giving them the guidance and all those things? You know, two things... Um... Hans, two terms he used are very critical. One is risk. The other one is incentive. So let's start from the government. The government first has to show leadership in creating the right policies, the right framework to build and encourage startups. Stuff like that's happened in the Silicon Valley, in New York startups, you know, create tax holidays for 10 years or more. Because at the end of the day, you have to have risk capital deployed to build these ecosystems. And if you don't, then this never happens because obviously a lot of innovation goes into these kind of things. Uh, so my my sense has always been looking at these companies looking at what the government policies are in place and then seeing how are they implemented? What kind of leadership are they showing? Are they just, you know, uh, you had, you had shown something uh, earlier where there was a, was it a quad or a tri, tri uh, um, country uh, program? Was it France, uh, Netherlands and Germany, right? From that document, it seemed like it's more, just conversations. It has to be deeper than that. Uh, they have to lay the groundwork, create, create, you know, create the ecosystem, and that really comes from the government force. That's where the leadership comes from. After that, our job comes in from getting resources of risk capital and incentivizing entrepreneurs to build. Yeah. So what one of the big things that like my team works on is is the fi- the fintech space. So getting into a market, you have all these financial hurdles to get through. It's very challenging. So the acquisition aspect allows you to buy a company, utilize their product, and start selling in the market directly immediately. Um, but 
the greenfield approach that you work on heavily i mean like that's something that's um i imagine is extremely challenging especially the language is different the legal structure is different um how do you facilitate that this question is to me yes okay yeah um in principle um yeah we we have a new area of investment here in brazil uh, a lot of people never looked at uh startups so much in uh in brazil uh but recently several reports came out over the last years and this caused uh to see that there is a huge opportunity here also uh, of course it's not the size of the us or even the europe but it's a, it's an upcoming market and as we have here startups that are uh, really have a huge market potential in the Latin America, it's very relevant. Huh? There was one uh, company and it's called Vitex. They listed them uh, their their stocks on the, the stock exchange in NASDAQ. I think you went there, eh, Marcus, on the, the IPO. Yes, I got to go have <laughs> uh, lots of drinks at the after party as well. Yeah, so 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 the, it's relevant. It's uh, it's close to a, a billion dollar IPO. It's not that big, but on the other hand, it's also not nothing, you know. So we're we're talking about uh, you know potential. Uh, we we need to, you know I, I I really believe that uh, uh, there is a lot of going on in in uh, agri tech. There's a lot of going on in energy. Um, Brazil is of course traditionally very good in commodities, but also there is a huge opportunity in in scaling technology and innovations. Uh, for example, I have some uh, Dutch companies that uh, I'm uh, helping with uh, their entry into the Latin American market, specifically Brazil, in vertical farming. Uh, vertical farming has a uh, between 10 to 100 times more uh, yields on the square meter than normal farming. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't know, but Holland has in, in euro value the same almost as, as the euro value of, of uh, Brazil in agricultural products as an export uh, product. This means that a, a country that is more than 200 times smaller than Brazil, more or less in the same, has the same value of production as Brazil. But what we do, we produce perfect tomatoes, perfect flowers. We have a supply chain that is not a lot of loss there. You know, Brazil has about 50% loss. You know, I, I don't see this as criticism. I see this as, as opportunity because can you imagine if we optimize the process, we can maybe get from 50 to 75% is already a huge amount. It's like <laughs> we get 50% more effectively of our, our, uh, our produce. So using innovation in countries like Holland, of course, it's not limited to Holland, it's US, uh, the rest of the world also. It is applying this kind of innovation in this kind of markets where you can have very quick wins, where you need to be part of the, 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 the logistical chain. Eh? You need to be owner or controller of the chain. When you have refrigerated trucks, when you minimize the time, when you uh, cut out the middleman, you know you 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 sell straight to supermarkets instead of to like this uh, this this intermediates. That's where you you will be in the end creating the value for your shareholders. So Brazil, I believe. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Brazil is also showing great leadership in the fintech market, which is Marcus's 
mm-hmm. bread and butter, right? Uh, New Bank, for example, is a public company there as well. Yeah. It's making really uh, great headway. Uh, you know, but I really think from a from all these companies that we are talking about, technology can kind of transcends any boundary lines, geographical boundary lines. Or so verticals. Key, or or verticals. verticals, exactly. So the key is to build companies that can not only serve that market, but could be uh, you know, a universal application to any country in the world, right? Uh, look yep. at what Israel does. Israel is a technology uh, hub. You know, from an innovation point of view, they are... Uh, you know, they're champions of innovations, but they always pilot their programs in Israel. But the market is always the U.S. They're always thinking U.S. from day one. And that's yeah. what I feel technology companies in general should be focused on. In the U.S. market, you mean? Oh, no, no. Generally, it should be. It could be a Dutch company. It could be a Brazilian company. It could be an Indian company. It doesn't matter. But those applications should have worldwide markets. Yeah, it no, should no, not I, be focused I, on. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. I, I, I though I, I will always say, uh, if we learned one thing in the last years, is diversification is spreading our risk, and if we're putting our eggs in one basket, it's very dangerous. You see this with this whole supply chain with China going lockdown, total crazy lockdown. Uh, so I, I, I always believe that is, 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 is. Of course, shareholder value, we, we always look at to get the most out of it, but then we make decisions that have have to- risk associated, uh, low incidence, high risk. And that's the whole thing. We, we, we are always skipping that low incidence, high risk. You know, the meteor strike is not an issue, but uh, and, a, and a pandemic, global pandemic, also not. I, I, I reread the the these things from like a year before uh, the pandemic. And then I was like, man, yeah, they were toiling that it was a risk, but somehow no one wants to ever think that that will happen. But on a term of 100, 200 years, it happens or a thousand years. So we we tend to always go to financial optimizations, whereas we as a multinational or a government, in my case, a government, we need to think more spread out. We, we need to attenuate the the risk in a more broader sense and i think multinationals need to think because mo- there are multinationals that are biggest companies they need to think also like that you know so we 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 need to take a little bit another approach uh for example i would not only put my focus on the states of course it's the biggest market and then maybe europe slash asia and maybe then only the latin america latin market but on the other hand, the Latin American market is, is a market that is underserved and under uh, focused. So when you see, for example, I'm now, I was really the driver about uh, doing the uh, Dutch uh, participation at Web Summit Rio de Janeiro, which will be this year and next year the first time. And that's really the focus. The focus is to see where I find a market where we are first and we can apply ourselves uh, so good that we have an advantage in the in the future. Right. With risk comes uh, the chances of greater failures. Uh, and that's where the, I think the, one of the cultural nuances comes in from an investor point of view, a U.S. investor. We look at a failure as a badge of honor. It's not mm-hmm. really, 
you know, a big black mark on your name. But maybe in India or Europe or even Brazil, uh, failure is taken as a big taboo, right? People don't like failures. Here, it's okay. You know, we can fail once, we can fail twice. It's a question of failing fast and failing cheap. How how exactly. how, how well can you do that? From my, my own, ex yeah. From my own experience, I had eight companies, uh, like four in uh, in in uh, in Brazil, two in the UK, and and two in uh, Holland. And I uh, I two of them went. Uh, black <laughs> you know but i i i count it down you know I, I i know for example when you are an entrepreneur in brazil you're so aware about the cost of money because the interest rates are huge they're like that's what that wouldn't be even possible in any other country so you 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 need to the moment i for example i had a business partner that didn't came through with a part of his deal I said to my wife, you know, me and my wife had the, the company, yeah, the 130 employees. And I said, okay, we're going to close down in June next year, you know. And it's not even a question. It's a certainty. And then you have a, a way to get as much money out of it as possible. But it's, of course, it's kind of a thing. You, yeah, I, I knew that knocking at the door at the bank wouldn't help because, you know, banks are risk averse. And uh, they don't see opportunity, even if you have a good case. The same case in Europe or the States would probably raise the money necessary to do the turnaround. Brazilian banks are risk averse. But Marcus, I want your opinion. You work for Votorantin and Bradesco. You, you know a lot about that. I worked on the corporate side. It's a little different. The interest rates, I was kind of surprised from middle market companies there were at 40%, 50%. And these are guys that are middle market, which is a very big definition. The definition in the US versus Europe is completely, or the United States is very different from what a middle market company is. Like $700 million in revenue or more is considered a large company. Uh, in Brazil, it's uh, maybe 20, 50 million, something like that. It was very small. The, um, But the when you're working with, um, is there something like there was this article that came out the other day and we were, you know, I, I shared it before we uh, got onto the call and it was basically, uh, let me see here. Pull this up properly. Yeah. The, the Netherlands, France and Germany signed a joint statement on quantum technology. Now you had mentioned that, you know, the United States is the biggest market. Um, you know, we, I think we have something like this signed with uh, Canada and Mexico, Um and then Brazil, you know, I don't know if Brazil is doing joint partnerships and technology studies with other Latin American countries. But I feel that the big thing is that the reason why you want to expand it to new territories, and it's great that you have a Dutch government that's in, in Brazil trying to do the same thing. It's that like you really need scale and to really work uh, with other groups. So, I mean, Hans, you're, you're down in, in Brazil doing... Um, agreements or partnerships with local government agencies um and this um quantum technology effort for example was kicked off by the dutch government they're pretty much the the lead in in the whole thing i mean do, do you feel that something like this is is enough or i mean it's it's just that i think that if you had the uk and the scandinavian countries um it would make a, a huge impact. Typically, uh, TechLeap is involved in this kind of project. 
And these projects are so interesting because we, we know as Holland, we are a very small country. So typically we work together also, right? like in this case with France and, uh, and Germany. Uh, so bilateral or trilateral ways to work together is the way to, to enter in this market. Huh? We, yeah. we as a Holland, so we, we, we like to do this kind of uh, cooperations uh, because we have good technical universities huh? and uh, doing also a lot of fundamental research. So, you know, this and is the these, way to go. These are the types of companies that are eventually want to expand into the Americas. This is why I bring this up. It's it's. Mm -hmm. This is just the, the seed section of it. I mean, like this started 10 days ago, I guess, mm -hmm. is when they announced it. And it's something that, you know, I because I, I know that if you don't establish something in places like Brazil, the import tax is very prohibitive. So yeah, you have this, to. This, this, this is not, of course, less uh, of an issue in, when you're talking about. Uh, if you're talking about physical kind of imports is one thing, if it's about software is something else. If you can prove that your technology is so, uh, you know, essentially different than anything that is produced within the country, you can get an, uh, an ex, ex tarifario, which is, means that you get an exemption for import duties. So there is always ways. And that's why we, as the Dutch uh, government, uh, the embassies, the, the consulate generals, and the, the support officers, uh, which I am uh, leading one of them, uh, we always work in conjunction with uh, uh, local governments, uh, federal and state governments, and try to also look at legislation. So it's it's important that, that business is, is not only is there a market and how we are going to import the, our stuff. It's about creating a dialogue making sure that people feel that they are um it's not just we selling stuff to brazil it is we yeah. going into a collaboration mode and this is an extremely important thing so i always say yes my role is maybe 80 percent from holland to brazil but that 10 or 20 percent yeah. back is an essential part if we forget that we are not doing anything because no one wants just, you know, one sided thing. So you, you need to have this dialogue, collaboration. Sometimes it's on, 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 on research. Sometimes it's on legislation. We, we're working also uh, much now with uh, the mining sector. Eh? My, my state, Minas Gerais, where I, my office is based in Belo Horizonte, has a, had a issues with uh, the safety of dams eh? uh, or dams of uh, rejects of the, the mining process. We working in now in a collaborative mood uh, together to find solutions to minimize this risk because Holland, we don't have mining, but we have a lot of dikes and the same issues we have with water. They have also with the water that is retained uh, from those processes. So it's always in these kind of ways where we try to find uh, um, commonality. Yeah. So like the reason why I, I bring up that quantum agreement is that if you know there's there's another article that came out maybe three months ago mm -hmm. and we kind of cut it up and shared it with with the number of people and basically what it's saying is that like at the earlier stages like c to pre-seed 30 percent uh, you have companies that are going into the american market series a a much larger pool so companies are willing to expand into these territories and there's a lot of companies in in france if in my case that's my focus 
they're not going into the Americas. They're going to Brazil. They're going to Spain. They're going to Portugal. You know, and they're they're open to going abroad because they know that a lot of times it's better to conquer a market that has low competition because first movers usually win. And in this case, you know, you're providing that support. Someone says, hey, I think our product will go super well in Brazil because we have, you know, Natura or some other major corporation that's based in, in, in France or let's say in your case, the Netherlands. And we want to follow that customer. You know, yeah. so there is there is a clear statistical confirmation desire, and you're there to help these 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 companies. Yeah, it's just not us. Eh? We work in conjunction always with the embassies and the yeah. consulates, um, and we are part of a network around the world. Eh? The Netherlands Business Support Office has twenty two offices. Yeah, six in uh, in the China, I believe three or four in India. We have several in Europe and and the Americas. We have six offices. Yeah. So the, the the whole thing is always to look where are we in the world that we don't have, for example, a consulate because a consulate is typically when you have a lot of uh, people from nationals living there, but that doesn't mean that there is no business. So we we we. we the, the, the Dutch International uh, uh, Agency for uh, uh, Trade, uh, RVO in Dutch it's called, they, they, they specifically put these kind of offices worldwide to, 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 to incentivize. So we, for, for example, in the States, we have also, we have a consulate in San Francisco, yeah, of course, startups, but we also have one in LA because there's a lot of uh, startups more towards media and sports that are now uh, in LA. So we always look where worldwide we are, but uh, we're not covering sufficiently through our network of uh, diplomatic posts. So uh, this is the essence is also to, 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 to know where you need to go. I used to work for KLM and KLM always, you know, uh, when I, as an entrepreneur uh, was traveling then as the first time I went to Shanghai and from Shanghai, I went to Hangzhou. And then half a year later, there was a straight flight from Amsterdam straight to Hangzhou. Why is that? They know the methodology. KLM yeah. knows where people, where business people go in the end, you know? So this is the, the, the key information you want to have as a government, also as a company. You want to uh, preview where is the next move in the world, you know? And uh, that's one of the things I, I actually am now uh, searching contact with KLM, my former employee, again, to, to, to know yeah. how do you do this? How is the methodology to define where the next uh, boom town is in the world? Because that's probably where we need to open offices, you know? Hans, what you said is very relevant because when, when we look at investments, we look at something called pattern recognition, which mm -hmm. is... What, what's going to happen in the next five years or 10 years? That's the area we'd like to kind of see, evolve, build, invest in, right? Rather something that's just legacy. Exactly. And, and within companies, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at some Dutch companies, some German companies and some French companies, a lot of automobile industries in this, in this geographical market, right? And then within that, 
automobile market, there's so much of innovation that's going on. Think about the automobile automobiles we had. I'm not going to go back too far out, 50 years. Let's say about 10 years. Today, your automobile is almost like a laptop computer. It's got so many things in there. The brain is so filled with data, right? That innovation that's happening obviously is happening because that industry is ready for change, right? That industry has evolved a lot and consumers are demanding it. You know, earlier on, you had a $30,000, $40,000 car. You, were, you thought it was kind of expensive. And now a hundred, $150,000 car, I wouldn't say it's a norm, but yeah, it has mass appeal. It's more durable also. It's like uh, we, 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 when I uh, first, actually, one thing, Going one back, step back, I, I used to work with with uh, as a consultant for a while for uh, 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 truck companies like uh, uh, Scania and Dove Trucks. They preview the market very well because they 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 sense where it's going because they see their order portfolio going down half a year before anyone knows that something is going on. So I learned that I I I learned always look, look at the indicators in the market where things are going for, because if you have early knowledge you can prepare your strategy towards it. When we are talking about uh, uh, consumer uh, cars, uh, uh, they 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 are of course they they went through a, a big change. But on the other hand, also it's like it's it's part. Uh, there is a, a lot of local incentives in countries to to go to a more electrified cars. And this is now finally accepted also in the U.S., you know, which the U.S. was lacking behind. But, you know, they're making a, a, a rapid kind of recovery, I think. And especially with the new government, I think things will be incentivized even more. So I think it's always looking at this this uh, macroeconomic uh, and political, because let's be honest, there is a huge political influence in these things also. So I, I, I personally see the, the markets for uh, cars. In Holland, we have uh, one one uh, uh, car. It's called Lightyear. And Lightyear makes a car that is totally covered in uh, solar cells. So, yeah, Holland is not so much sun, but, uh, you know, uh, a car great. like that in Brazil, you you really get, uh, get a good... Uh, if you don't drive too much in a day, you can get around. You know, so it's, it's, it's those kind of things. So, I, I did some uh, case study uh, for the, the Chinese market. And I, I really think, you know, people are willing to dish out much more money for something that is sustainable. If you, you look at, uh, you know, first of all, you don't have to put, it's not a gasoline guzzler. You know, it's it's something that gives you, you know, this will, will give me, me return. There is less moving parts, less maintenance, you know, all those things uh, matter. And people are willing to pay more for things that are more in the sustainable movement. So that's also a big, big factor, especially in, in educated markets. I'm not saying that in Brazil, we're there yet. I think Holland, the States, uh, Australia, Russia, uh, 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 Israel, they are all much more uh, advanced in the thinking of in the sustainable movement. But it's coming here also. Uh, Hans, for the your your the Dutch listeners out there and they want to expand to Brazil. What what are what are some pointers you'd give them? First of all, always uh, we are always open to give information, which is the the best thing. We can open doors uh, both with uh, 
distributors with um, uh, potential uh, clients in the market, uh, fares. Uh, we can also, we have a lot of subsidies for companies that, for example, need to do a pilot project for um, to show that their product or service works in the country. So we, we are actively helping them to find uh, to minimize the risk because if you say ah, i need to invest half a million to see if it uh, works there's something else if, if the Dutch go government says oh we can help you with half or so so we we have these ways to help the dutch government we are actively supporting dutch companies expand into these new markets and brazil is one of these markets where we have this worldwide so we are uh, mostly i i would always say to them Please don't do it on your own. <laughs> Please ask around because we have a lot of knowledge in our network. A lot of people that work within uh, the Netherlands business support offices are also former, uh, uh, how you say, uh, uh, entrepreneurs or are, uh, for example, my deputy, she is, uh, has, has 10 years of uh, uh, knowledge in the international affairs in the state government. So it's great because I, I know a lot about entrepreneurship, but she knows extremely much about uh, international affairs and how, who is who in, in Brazil on state level and, and federal level. So it's important to have these, these kind of knowledges because you go into a market with so much more. So we, we are typically helping this company until in certain moments. And then, of yeah. course, cannot be a uh, full consultant for them. So then at some point we, we give it over to say, this is a list of consultants that we trust and then they take it from there, you know? I, I spoke with a couple of our uh, Dutch customers today before our call. So they were very interested in how they could expand into the region. And it's always the pickle because everybody's always trying to figure something out. And I told them, you should just use us help. We could help you buy a company locally, but that's not always the best approach for some companies, especially if they're growing, if they want to do it organically. Yeah. It's, I think I always favor a little bit. And that's my more, my personal uh, opinion. Uh, favorite takeovers because first of all um, as long as you do the due diligence good that you don't buy a, a company that a lot, uh, has a lot of uh, hidden depth but um, as long as you, you check it well I think the way is you need local knowledge you cannot just do it as a foreigner and just walk in although I am 20 20 years in Brazil even I would say Take a guy that is 100% local also in the team, you know. It's good to have people like me that are intermediate, know both sides of the, the story. But local, local is the key because there's things happening. And, you know, I always, I do some training about what is a Brazilian uh, know? Because when when a European goes into Brazil and says, oh, we had a great meeting, everyone loved it. We're going to sign the contract next month then. And then... I said, I didn't feel that. They said, we're interested, but let's <laughs> wait a while until we know each other better. It's like a dating process. And, and you know, if you're not aware how the dating process goes, then you just take the signals the wrong way. So we, we need to make sure always that people understand that people take more time here. It's about the relationship. It's going, going to dinner and talk about a lot of things, football, all kind of stuff. And then at the last moments, or maybe in the second or third meeting, then they go to business when they feel comfortable. The the the, the, zero, the your office is in six cities in the United States. How, how does how do you communicate no, no. with in them? In six or... cities, no, in six cities yeah. in the 
in the Americas. We have, uh, okay. of course, we we have a lot of consulates, uh, embassies, and consulates uh, uh, in, in the Americas. Uh, but uh, we are in LA, so so LA and Houston, and then we are in Quiretara, which is nearby Mexico City. Then we are Belo Horizonte, where I'm the chief rep, and we are in Porto Alegre and Cordoba, uh, so in Argentina. So um, we are six offices, but we work like together in every country. We work always together with all the consulates and embassies and stuff. So it's it's like we are part of the the thing. The only thing is we are not diplomats. We're really business commerce people. And how, how many? I mean, how many companies are showing interest per year for expansion in your? Maybe it doesn't have to be just your agency, but of the six agencies that are in the Americas. Um, yeah, that's difficult to say because I don't know the, these numbers by head, but it's, uh, I think altogether, uh, thousands, more than a thousand. So, so it's, a, it's a lot of it. what I always, I, I, and that's one of the things I, I like methodologies with KPIs that mean something. It's not about the volume of uh, countries. I always go for, we need to measure things in, in, in value. So for me, it's always much more important to talk about companies that are scalable. First of all, they are sustainable, they are scalable. And, uh, you know, what is the, in the end, the euro value? Because although it's nice if somebody wants to sell a thousand kilos of cheese every month to Brazil, it will not make a dent in our, in our business. You know, uh, what I look at is a company, vertical farming, 50 million euros per, per project. And we can do it maybe between 10 and 100 times in Brazil only. That's that's money, you know. Uh, so I'm looking at scalability, sustainability, and, uh, you know, it, it needs to fit a little bit in, in those kind of parameters, you know. Are most of your companies in the industrial sector being from Unigilize or? No, no, we, we are we are in, in uh, agri, agriculture, <laughs> with, uh, agriculture, agri-tech. Uh, we're in uh, mining. Mining is huge, of course. Uh, then we are in energy, you know, um, and then also, of course, in other areas like life, uh, life sciences. Uh, for example, we have Philips Medical Systems that has a huge factory of uh, uh, CT scanners and stuff uh, in in uh, in uh, Minas Gerais. So, so we we're very broad. Uh, that's good, but that also means that we are very busy. That's why I always want more people working in my office. <laughs> uh, Hans, th thank you so much for everything. I mean, the, the insights, the input, the uh, internationalists, and remember the interstellarness since you used to work in the space, uh, the space sector. Um, we look forward to speaking and learning more in the future. Me too. Let's keep in good contact and expect you guys also with Web Summit in May. In yes. Rio de Janeiro. Who oh, doesn't can't, go can't to be, Rio de Janeiro? Can't be better. Just say Rio and we are there. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, I hope to meet you all uh, in person uh, somewhere around the globe. All, all sponsored by Chatsworth, right, Ralph? Yes, absolutely. Okay, Hans, <laughs> you take care. Mm. Okay, thanks Thank a you, lot Marcus. for the invitation. Hey, guys. Be well. Take care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.